Yes, Lord God, this morning as we gather together, whether in homes or in person, we just want to thank you, God. We just want to thank you for everything that you've done, everything that you're doing. God, you are faithful and we declare that in the name of Jesus. There is nothing that is too hard for you. And God, we just give you all the honour and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome to church, everybody, on a Sunday morning. Those of you that are in the building, welcome. For those of you that are at home, welcome. I don't know where I'm looking, maybe over here. Um, It's so great to see so many of our Mountains family down here this morning. Repping it for the mountains. I love it. Hey, why don't you take your seat? You can socially distanced wave at somebody as you do that you see in the auditorium. And at home, please take your seats as well. Uh, Isn't it so great to be able to see each other again? You know, we've had uh, a little bit further uh, lessening of the restrictions, which is exciting for churches. Uh, For us here, it means that we can have uh, an additional 26 people uh, because we're still going by the four square metre rule. Um, At Mountains, unfortunately, we can only have 33 if we were to go back to the school at the moment. So hence why we're all down here. Uh, Well, it's a very exciting day in our household because Panthers are about to win the grand final. I only mention that because Dad was bummed he wasn't preaching today because he couldn't mention it. So that's for you, Dad. There you go. And uh, I'm sure you're all excited about it because otherwise you have to go for Melbourne. Nobody wants to do that. So, yeah, praise the Lord. Well, who's been enjoying our altar series so far? Coming to the altar, and uh, you know I've been really loving the series, and uh, just been drawing a lot out of it, and uh, what you know what everyone's been preaching about, and uh, you know this morning I wanted just to continue that theme, and to talk a little bit more about you know what is uh, God doing in the space of altars during our lockdown, uh, because I know that you know while we still it, it sometimes doesn't feel like we're in lockdown when you go to watch the Panthers play football, or when you go down to the shopping centre, or you know, all these different things you do in your normal day-to-day lives, and it's almost like everybody forgot about the virus. I went to the beach during the public holiday uh, a few weeks ago, and I'm telling you now, this is what God was talking about when he said to Abraham, your descendants will outnumber the sand on the seashore. I'm pretty sure I couldn't see the sand. There was that many people down there. You wouldn't have known that there was such thing as COVID. But in other ways, it definitely does feel like it's still, still with us, right? I mean, this morning... We have to socially distance. We can't sit next to each other. We can only have a certain amount of people in the room. But I just wanted to talk about maybe some things that we really should notice as Christians and as people that go to church, something that we really should notice that God is doing during our lockdown time. Because I think it's really beneficial for us to take note of these things before we go back to no restrictions, whenever that may be. Because if we can take note of them now, I think we're going to really learn a valuable lesson that God's trying to teach us. So if you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn to Genesis chapter 26. It's a good place to begin in Genesis. Chapter 26, verses 12 to 18. It's going to be on the screen. For those of you at home, I know that you don't have your Bible on you. You can feel it in the spirit. Go get one quickly. I'm just kidding. It says this, And Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him, and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. 
He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants, so that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham his father. And he gave them the names that his father had given them. Now, this is so significant because in a time of crisis for Isaac, where he's been so successful and where he's reaped a hundredfold and where he's seen everything increase and God bless him, he gets kicked out of that land. And so he's in this time of crisis. And so what is the first thing that he does? He goes and re-digs the wells that the Philistines have stopped up that his father had originally dug. He came and retook what was his. So this morning, the title of my message is this, Retake the Altar. It's time to retake the altar. If you take your notes, put that down. If you're not, just in the memory bank. You know, it's so significant for us because I think as a 21st century Christian, it can be really difficult to think about what an altar is in my life. And it can be really easy to live a whole entire life without any sort of uh, notice of what altars are in my life, right? And I'm sure you probably can relate to what I'm talking about. You see, the significance is in Joshua chapter 4, verse 5 to 7, which is where, where this theme has come from. You know, they cross the river and God kind of helps them across and, and God tells them take a stone each and put it, in the, uh, put it next to the river so that, so that it, it becomes an altar to God for what he did today. This is what he says. He says, when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? This is really important. Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Isn't that so important that God already is saying, hey, I know this happened today, but when your children ask you about it in time to come, make sure that you tell them what happened and that this is a memorial to the Lord forever. This is so significant because if we do not teach our children, the next generation, our grandchildren, if we do not teach them to honour God and why we honour God and all the amazing things that God has done in our life, if we forget to do that, then they will forget what God has done. In fact, I think that if we forget to do that, we will forget what God has done. I can tell you right now that there's been so many times in my life where I have just forgotten about all the amazing things that God's done in my life. Doesn't that sound silly? Doesn't that sound like stupid? Like, come on, Judah, God did these amazing things. He spoke to you, he gave you a word of knowledge over that. You saw a healing here, but you forget about how awesome God is. Who here, I won't ask you to put up your hands, but you can just mentally do that. And at home you can put it up because no one's watching. Who here... During the lockdown, you couldn't go to church, was just like me and felt, wow, that felt like a, just a real hit on my Christian walk. Like I can't go to church and meet together with people. And for some reason, that really affected my walk with God. I'm sure maybe you felt the same. Can I tell you why that's so important? Because the church, the building and the service are one of the biggest altars in the 21st century especially for us in Australia. One of the biggest altars for us. Think about what an altar is there for. 
An altar is there to remind you of God, remind you of how awesome he is to honor him. And an altar is a place where we can worship him. Where do we do those two things most in our world? At church. And of course, we've all been thrown for, hit for a six when uh, we weren't allowed to gather together. And all of a sudden, we're allowed to gather in homes. And then we're not allowed to gather in homes. And so we're all just by ourselves. We weren't allowed to come to the altar anymore. And that's so significant for us because if we're not allowed to come to the altar, how do we teach our children and the next generation why it's so important if we never visit it? You know, I I know it might sound silly that if you don't have a visual reminder of something, you might forget. But are there any parents here that over school holidays, not having the visual reminder of your child's lunchbox, have left the sandwich in there for like three weeks? I've heard of that happening. I'm a homeschooler. Never happens. The fridge is always accessible. Right? Without that visual reminder, we just forget. Life gets busy. A lot of things demanding our attention. We forget. We totally forget about what's going on. I remember one morning I, uh, I had a cousin sleep over. It was really exciting. Loved having cousins sleep over. And it wasn't all that often that we got to do that. So it was really exciting. And it was Saturday night. So we sleep over. And Sunday morning, mum comes in to wake us up, get us ready for church. And I remember just, I was still really tired. I was just hitting those teenage years where getting out of bed's the worst. And so I, I turned to mum and I said, I don't want to go to church today. Oh, boy. She, she turns to me and says, don't you say that. This is what we do as a family, and we honor God with our Sunday mornings, and you're getting to church, so you get your butt out of bed and get ready. And I looked at my cousin like we were about to get spanked, and we quickly, we quickly got ready for church. Can I tell you that it was so important for my parents to keep us going to the altar as children? Because now as adults, we love coming to church. In fact, it's often one of the only times we get to see each other uh, as a family other than our Monday night dinners. Uh, we get to all come together at church, especially on a Friday night where the church has come together. Uh, you know, it, it became a real institution in our lives as a reminder to honor God. That's what we do with our Sunday mornings. That's what we do when we come together as a church. And I think that it's really important that we do not forget to do this. Now, I know it's really hard right now. We can only have 126 people in this room, and there's far more of us than that. So we can't all come to church every week. But there are other ways we can do this together. We can stream the service from home, but we can do that with other people too. We can invite a family over. Or we can join a house service of uh, other families that are already gathering together. It is so important that the church meet because it is the ultimate reminder to honor God and it is the ultimate place that we can worship Him. Yeah, we can worship Him for our, from our bedrooms and yeah, we can worship Him from uh, you know, in our car or uh, before we go to bed or in front of Netflix, I don't know. You, you can worship God whenever you want to worship God, but there is something special about coming together. And I just want to talk this morning about just three things, of course, uh, that the devil wants to insert into your life if you forget to remind yourself or others about the altar. Three things that happen, all right? Are you ready? You strapped in? Seatbelts on? Number one, the devil loves to insert indifference. If we're not careful, if we're not reminded of the importance of God and honoring Him and worshiping Him, it can be so easy to become indifferent to it. Can I be honest that as 
Christians in Western culture, we've become pretty indifferent to attending church. And I'm not just talking about during lockdown. I'm talking about, you know, all before that as well. We've become pretty indifferent. You know, the average time uh, times that somebody attends church is uh, now approximately one in three. And I think that's probably becoming a little bit indifferent to attending church. And again, I'm not talking about right now. We can't all come together at church, but being the church, gathering together as a church. Let's not become indifferent in doing that. You know, the reason why coming to church is so important is because it's a signpost in our lives and it's a signpost in the lives of our children to remind us, as to remind us of the greatness of God. It's to remind us of who he is. He's the creator of the universe. He holds the universe in his hands. He's a guy that just spoke and things appeared. He's the one that can just pardon sin. He's the one that can cast out demons and heal sickness and grow legs back. I mean, this is the God that we're talking about. And we become indifferent about coming to worship him. Man, I've done that before. I've been indifferent. I thought, oh, you know, what's one Sunday? I've totally been like that before. But let's encourage one another. You know, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 says this. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider, listen to this, let us consider how to stir up one another. How about that? To love and good works. Hey, let's consider how we might, as a church, encourage each other to do deeds of love in our community and and, and to do good works to those that surround us. Let's just consider how we might inspire each other to do that. And then he says, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as the day drawing near. Man, the writer of Hebrews understood the importance of meeting together. It wasn't so that, you know, the person who's hosting that day can feel really good about themselves and feel like they had a good Sunday morning. That's not why they do that. The reason why is he says so that we can encourage one another, remind each other to love and and to do good works and, 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 and remind each other that the day is approaching. 2,000 years ago, he said, remind each other the day is approaching. And 2,000 years later, let me remind you that the day is approaching. It could be today. It could be in 100 years or 2,000 years or who knows. But let's remind each other it's approaching. Let's encourage one another. Let's do good works. That's why we meet together. Because when the body of Christ comes together, something special happens. God begins to move in our midst. We encourage one another to continue. That's why when we go into lockdown and we can't meet together that you feel like your Christian walk might be suffering. That's why it becomes harder to read your Bible when you haven't been to church in weeks because we're not encouraging one another. You're not, you're not those flint stones rubbing together and sparking. You know, I was talking to somebody yesterday about church and, uh, and they said it must be hard as a pastor not being able to uh, get a feel for what the Sunday morning's like. You know, I'm only here at Hawkesbury really when I'm on. Otherwise, I'm visiting houses in the mountains uh, as they do church together, uh, which I love doing. But it is really hard to get a feel for what the church are doing. It's really hard to get a feel for whether it was a good Sunday morning. But then I was reminded and I said to him, you know what? I'm actually thankful that I don't get that feel. I'm actually thankful because I think that if I'm not careful, for me, it became all about how good the Sunday morning was. 
it became a little bit about how good the worship felt and how powerfully the, the preacher spoke and, you know, all those kind of things. And they're, they're important that we do those things. But what the real importance is, is that we meet together and that we encourage one another and that God is worshipped. That is the importance. Let's not become indifferent to that. Let's take back the altar. Come on. All right, number two. So number one, indifference. Number two, idolatry. Wow, that got serious. Let's use worship as an example, right? I cannot wait, and I'm sure you're with me. I just cannot wait for when we're able to come together, zero restrictions, pack the house, let's get everybody in, and we sing that first worship song. Can you imagine how good that's going to be? You know what? It doesn't matter who's on stage that day. We could put the worst worship leader up here, Judah. And you know what? It would still be awesome. We could have like the worst bit. We could put someone that's never drummed before on the drums. You know, I don't think it would matter. I think we'd all get into it. I think we'd all be excited to sing. We'd all be excited to be able to worship freely with a packed house with all the believers in the house together. But I think those things mattered to me before the lockdown. I think it mattered to me who was worship leading. It mattered to me who was on the drums. It mattered to me how big a band that we had and how good the sound guy was. But I don't think that it'll matter to us when we're allowed to come back together, especially for the first week. Man, just the fact that we could sing together and worship together and all be amongst each other and have a packed house of hundreds of people worshiping God. I mean, that's what really matters, right? There'll be no questions about, you know, haven't we sung this song four weeks in a row? Nobody's going to say that. Nobody's going to say, I'm pretty sure this song came from the 90s. No one. Nobody's going to say, you know, this worship leader always misses the mark or those backing vocals are off tune or anything like that. Nobody's going to complain about those types of things. We're all going to be so excited to come back together. You know, none of that matters. None of those things really matter. For me, they've mattered. I, I was the head of the worship team for Mountains uh, before I became the pastor, and those things really mattered to me back then. You know, it really mattered to me that uh, everything gets done right on time. And if we go out of time, it's just the worst thing ever, and it stressed me out. And uh, somebody forgot the words to the song. Ah, oh, Judah again. Ah. Oh. You know, I remember one time I was up here for a uh, conference, and uh, I was, it was my turn to lead the song. I was really excited. I had one song to lead that morning, and conference is awesome because you got everybody there, and we're doing a new song. I was so pumped. Anyway, they're playing the intro. I'm like, here we go. What are the words? Oh, gosh, what are the words? I couldn't remember. Anyway, there's, there's Dave Dub P standing next to me. And the words start as can't go back to the beginning, right? And so he's standing there. He's going, can't go back, can't go back. Can't go back to the beginning. And I can't hear him. And I'm just sitting there going, oh, come on, come on, come on. What, what words are we doing? The words aren't on the back screen. What am I going to do? And Dave's just sitting there, can't go back, can't go back. Anyway, we sat there for what felt like three hours. It was probably like a minute. Uh, but you know what? That stuff's not going to matter. That stuff's not going to matter when we come back to worship. But I think that when those things matter, maybe we stop worshipping at the altar and we start worshipping the altar. Think about that. Let me say that again. Maybe we stop worshipping at the altar, God, and we start worshipping the altar itself. 
And that's so significant because if we start to worship the altar itself, let's call it idolatry. When we start to care about how we look or how it feels for us more than whether God is pleased this morning, that's idolatry. Listen to this in Matthew chapter 6. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. What's the lesson we learn from this verse? The lesson we learn from this verse is it doesn't matter about the outward appearance. God isn't looking for how good a show you can put on or how perfect it sounds or looks. God is looking for the heart. Hey, let's not allow our worship at the altar to become idolatry. Let's take back the altar. Amen? You're not banned from saying amen, just so you know. All right, number three. You ready for the three? First one, indifference. Second one, idolatry. Third one, inward focus. They're all eyes. You're welcome. I turned to Nicola this morning, uh, not this morning, this week, and I said, yes, I've done it. And Nicola goes, done what? As I was preparing my sermon. And I said, I've alliterated my three points. We're there. We're 95% of the way there. (laughs) You know, if we're not careful, we can raise a generation that become inward focused. Coming to the altar is about them. And dare I say it, I think this is probably more dangerous than idolatry because it's an idolatry of itself in a way. Because we worship ourselves rather than worshiping God. We prioritize us over God. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. And Jesus came to them, all authority on earth has been given to me. What does he say? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. You know how it goes. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 says this. And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You know what's significant about these two verses? One is called the the Great Commission, and the second one is called the Greatest Commandments. Jesus talks about two things that are great, right? Two different verses. He talks about things that are great. Neither of them talks about you. Neither of them does he address the disciples' feelings. Does he, does he talk about how the disciples need to make sure that they look after themselves? He, he doesn't do that. The two things that Jesus puts the greatest priority on when he's, when he's preaching, probably the two verses that as a Christian I would recommend you go read straight away if you haven't read them, are an outward-focused look. When we come to the altar and we're reminded why we do it, we can't help but look out. But if we forget why we come to the altar, we become indifferent, we begin to worship the altar itself, it can be so easy to then look inward. It can be so easy to look at who we are and and our failings and why we're not really good enough to be here at the altar. And perhaps we, we look at, you know, again, the worship, perhaps it doesn't really just, you know, that song didn't really give me goosebumps. I wasn't really vibing it. The beat was a little bit off. We need something that's a bit louder, make me feel a bit better about it. Yeah, I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm missing the part where, where, uh, where Jesus says, make sure that you feel happy and make sure that you feel contented and meet together so that your souls feel replenished. No, he doesn't say that. He says, go. Go into all the world. 
love your neighbor as you would love yourself. That's the whole point, right? That's what a church is supposed to do. These three things, I think they're really important because I think they slip into church culture so easily, right, as Christians. If we forget why we come to the altar, they can become so easily slip into our lives. We can become indifferent. We can become idolatrous. We can become inward focused without even noticing it. And we forget why we do church at all. And pretty soon, if we're not careful, a generation will come along that want to do away with church because they don't get the point. What's this old thing for? You know, I, I, I think young people by the droves are leaving churches. And we're doing all we can to bring them back in, but it's really difficult. And perhaps it's because they never understood the significance of church. They never fully understood why we do it. You know, for years and years in our youth ministry, we stopped playing games. We kind of do a little bit of fun games now. Just, just a little bit. Just a little bit of Christmas pudding. We just do a little bit of fun games now, but we, we totally cut out the fun games. And the reason why we, we cut them out is because we didn't want people coming so that they felt like they had a fun time. That's not what church is about. Church isn't about having a fun time. Church is about encouraging one another and worshiping God. And so we taught a generation what it means to worship God, what it means to connect with Him, what it means to meaningfully connect with each other. And we had fun. Boy, did we have fun, but that wasn't our focus. If we forget why we do something, then we'll want to do away with it. I remember I was um, traveling with Megan overseas. I think it was just before Mercy was born. We were going overseas and we stopped off at uh, the Singapore airport. And, um, and of course, after the flight, you need to run to the toilet, as does the whole entire flight. So we go to, we go to the bathroom, separate bathrooms. Anyway, Megan's pregnant, right? So she's obviously just takes ages to go anywhere. She's kind of walking like this really slowly. And, uh, and uh, anyway, she comes out of the bathroom before me and she's like, Where's Jude? I had a lineup. He didn't even have a lineup in his bathroom. This is what happened to me. Mountains, I've told you this story before, but you can laugh like it's the first time I've told you. And other churches, you're in for a doozy. So I, I went into the bathroom and uh, I go into the cubicle, use the toilet. And, uh, and then I'm looking for the flush, right? I don't want to just leave it there. I'm not that guy. So I'm looking, I'm looking at the toilet and I finally find the one thing, the one button that it could be, right? It's a little like, lever thing on the side, and I don't want to touch it with my hands because who knows how many people touch it. So I just kick it. It's not a flush. It sprays water at my face, pushes me into the cubicle door, and I'm sitting there up against the cubicle door. Can I tell you the best advice dad has ever given me is this. Always pack a spare change of clothes and you carry on. Whew, boy, was I glad that I did that. Here's why that's important. If you, think, if you don't know what something's for, you won't use it correctly. If we don't know why we gather together as a church, we won't use it correctly. We won't gather together correctly. We won't worship together correctly. We won't come with the right focus to worship. You know, I read that verse to you earlier this morning right at the beginning about Isaac and the wells and he came and redug the wells. He retook the wells. It's time for us to retake our altars. I'm not talking about telling the government to stuff it and come to church anyway and break the law. I'm not saying that. 
Uh, I'm saying, hey, let's retake the importance of what we do and why we do it. Let's decide that we're going to do this with a purpose again. Let's not come to church ever again and wonder what songs we're going to sing because that's really important. Hey, who cares what songs we sing? You know, I, I think about what a well is used for, especially in Jacob's time. You know, a well is to, obviously, it's your source of life out in the desert. If you don't have a well, you cannot live there. You have to move on until you find a well or you find a place you can build one, right? The well for us, Jesus told us, was him. Jesus was very specific that he is the water of life. Hey, if we're going to retake the altars, we need to reopen that well of connection with, with our Lord and Savior. We need to reopen that connection with him. We need to come to God. Maybe we need to reinstitute the kneeling beside your bed and praying every night. Maybe that's what it takes for you. Maybe that is the visual altar and reminder for you in your everyday life that, hey, I'm going to just reconnect with God for two minutes. Maybe that's what you need to begin to just reopen the wells. And here's what's significant is that when you reopen a well and it's functioning, people come. When we become inward focused and indifferent about church and, and we begin to worship the wrong thing, we become idolatrous, uh, you know, these things aren't attractive to those around us. It's not attractive to those around us that we become indifferent about going to church. What are you doing this weekend? Oh, I've got to go to church, I think, probably, if I wake up. Gee, that sounds great. Can I be a Christian? Like, no, nobody's saying that. But when we become connected with God, when we decide to reopen the wells, when we decide to retake the altars in our lives, that is when we begin to shine God. That is when people begin to notice a difference. You know, really quickly, as I, uh, as I wrap up this morning, I just wanted to um, read one more verse for you. This is really significant because I think in this time, right, I have been continually asking myself, what can I do to change this? What are some great ideas that I can do to make Mountains Church flourish in this time of crisis, right? And uh, I know that you've probably been thinking the same things about maybe your life or your work or church or whatever it is. But listen to this, Isaiah chapter 9. And uh, one of the guys from Mountains actually reminded me of this verse. He said, it says this, Isaiah 9 verse 9, Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria who say in pride and arrogance of heart, listen to this, the bricks are fallen, talking about the city, the city's broken down, but we will rebuild with dressed stones. The sycamores have been cut down, but we will put cedars in their place. This sounds like good stuff, right? Good on them. But the Lord raises the adversaries against him and stirs up his enemies. The Syrians on the east and the Philistines on the west devour Israel with open mouth. For all this, his anger has not turned away and his hand is stretched out still. This is why. The people did not turn to him who struck them, nor inquire of the Lord of hosts. You know, maybe the best thing that we can do in a time of crisis is not to think how we could fix it, but is to just turn to God. Hey, God, I'm just going to retake the well. I'm just going to stay at the well. I'm just going to rebuild this connection with you. God isn't asking us to fix COVID. He's not asking us to lift restrictions. He's not asking us to change our government. He's not asking us to do any of that. 
He's asking us to come to Him. When Israel was decimated and their city destroyed, He didn't want them to rebuild it. All He wanted was them, for them to come to Him. Hey, I don't know if God sent COVID or not. I don't care. Because boy, can He use it regardless. Turning everything in to good for those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. Working all things for good. Doesn't say except for pandemics. Doesn't say that. Hey, God is working during this pandemic and maybe He's reminding us of what church is all about. That's why I said when we come back, who cares who's on what? Hey, I'll drum if you want. It'll be really bad, but I don't think you'll care. You'll be singing so loudly you won't be able to hear me because we're finally back together and we're never going to take that for granted again. Maybe that's what we can learn during COVID. Maybe God's calling us in this time and this season to retake the altars in our life and to say, hey, I'm going to set up something in my life and remind my children and those who I disciple and my grandchildren and everybody the significance of worshipping God and honouring Him as King for all that He's done in our lives. Let me pray for you this morning. Oh God, we just thank You that You are so awesome. God, we thank You that You're in this place and You're in all those places spread across the Hawkesbury and Penrith and the Blue Mountains and all across the world, God, as those who tune into church right now. God, we thank You that You are King. And God, this morning, we just want to take a moment to honour You. Oh, you're so worthy of all the honour, God. Oh, you've done so much for us, God, and we just want to honour you for that. God, I just pray that this morning you just felt so worshipped. God, that even though we can't sing, that as we raise our hands, as we clap our hands, as we, as we lift our faces to you, God, I just pray that you just felt worshipped this morning. That you felt adored this morning. God, we do all this because of you. And right now, we just pray that as we, as we go back into our normal world that isn't so normal right now, God, that you would help us to just turn to you. You'd remind us that we can't fix it on our own and all our best ideas fall short. God, I pray that you'd give us your ideas instead. God, that you would give us your plan and your timeline. And God, you give us patience to just trust in you, to know that you're working. Lord, remind us to retake the altar. This morning we, we stand or we sit before you just with hearts turned towards you and we just say we want to retake the altar. God, whatever that altar is in our lives, whether it be grace around the table or church as we come together on Sundays in houses or at services. God, we retake that. We give it back its same names as Isaac gave back the wells, their same names that Abraham gave them. The names of worship and honour. The names of God and Jesus lifted high. God, we draw water from them once again. God, we come to the altar this final time for the morning. And we just worship you and we honour you and we declare that you are almighty and all-powerful. And we love you so much. And God, we just put our trust in you for this next season ahead. 
that whatever we may face, we will look to you first. Not to our ability to rebuild, but to you. All the glory and honour to your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope that you got something out of that, just as I did as I was preparing it. And uh, church at home, why don't you just say hello to everybody around you and and pray for each other and uh, just spend a moment to encourage one another, as the writer of Hebrews tells us to do. Encourage one another to do good works and to love. And all you here in the building, we're going to finish up and uh, our service is over. But being the church continues. Thanks, guys.